بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين الحمد لله we are going to have our second session on مناجات الشاكين and I hope that insha'Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inspire us to reflect in a very productive way on these beautiful sentences of Imam Zainul Abedin alayhi salam. As you remember, we already reflected on two passages of this munajat. The first was to complain about our soul which commands us to do bad things this nafs ammare which is the soul which is not purified not yet trained and disciplined so instead of encouraging us to do bad things it asks us to do sorry instead of encouraging us to do good things it asks us to do bad things all the time and then in the second passage we talked about our enemy and that is shaitan who tries to deceive us and through temptations tries to attract us to the worldly pleasure and for us we need always to be uh, careful about shaitan very cautious and when we are heedless then shaitan becomes able to attack us and surprise us with many different types of plans that he has against humanity but when we are alert when we are conscious shaitan would not be able to harm us now we are going to start the third passage the third part of the Munajat and that is about our heart you know our heart is the most important part of our reality and the real nature of a human being can be understood by looking at his heart if you look at someone's body this doesn't show whether he's a good person or bad. If you look at even someone's mind, still it may not show whether that person is a good person or a bad person. Maybe a bad person has in mind lots of good things. He knows many things which are good, but this doesn't mean that he observes them. But the heart, which is the most important, at the same time most secret part of our reality, is what makes and constitutes our true reality one of the things that we should know about heart is that a heart is very changeable it's not like aql, intellect intellect is fixed intellect is a hujjah of Allah as we have in hadith from Imam Qazim Allah has two types of proof one is the external hujjah and that is the prophets and messengers 
and the second is the internal hoja which is aql aql never misguides aql never betrays us aql never you know asks us to do bad things but the problem is that we may not follow aql we may imprison aql we may silence the voice of aql but aql is always giving the same direction if it is followed properly but when it comes to heart it's quite different heart is very changeable one reason why heart is called qalb in arabic because qalb means change means to change to alter and human heart is called qalb because it's all the time changeable from one mood to another mood from one condition to another condition even for example for pious people it's not that their heart is always at the same level of alertness or the same level of for example remembrance of god there are ups and downs of course ups and downs for people can mean very different things for a person who is muttaqi who is pious even when he is in a very you know low level of consciousness and low level of remembrance of god as it is in a very high position much better than um, the best of some people so even the time that for example the muttaqin or for example the friends of god the time they feel that they are very low still they are much better than many other people but in any case for them also there is always a change there is ups and downs there is a beautiful poem that uh, if a person asks why prophet yaqub who was able to feel and smell the fragrance of yusuf when the shirt of yusuf was being brought to him by his brothers from egypt why he was not able to understand the fragrance of yusuf when he was put in well near their own village or town the poet says the answer is that the condition of awliyaullah the condition of the friends of god is not the same even a person like yaqub can sometimes be so sensitive and so conscious that he would feel the fragrance of yusuf from thousands of kilometers away for example and sometimes maybe if it is few um, kilometers away he may not be able to understand so there are always different conditions so human heart is changeable some of these changes are changes of moods and changes of feelings sometimes the changes are changes which are very fundamental like change from faith from iman to kufr or disbelief change from for example arrogance to humbleness change from thankfulness to being ungrateful or vice versa or change from knowledge to ignorance or vice versa these are very fundamental changes these are not changes in mood these are not changes in something which is quickly finishing these are changes in the qualities which remain for us for a long time some of these qualities may never change of course you can change but many people when they have fixed qualities they never try to change 
they take it for granted so it's very important that as a believer in God we really um, reflect on what is happening in our heart and what actually settles in our heart because heart is the most sacred thing that we have as we have in hadith al-qalbu haramullah our heart is the sanctuary of God don't let anyone other than God settle in your heart so we have to safeguard our heart and do not let anything other than God or something which is related to God settle in our heart but when you become spiritually alert you realize that this is not unfortunately always the case you realize that there are problems with your heart one of the problems with the heart is what we have in this sentence Elahi ilayka ashku galban qasiyan our heart has to be very soft very gentle very sensitive but sometimes the heart becomes very hard and here we say my lord to you I complain of a heart that is hard means to be hard-hearted your heart becomes like a stone like something which is solid and cannot accept any change no light can enter into the heart no inspiration can change the heart this is very worrying condition of the heart and if heart is hard then the chance of any conversion, any change, any repentance is very, very low, if at all it's possible to change. So, this is one condition. Shall I will talk about this more? The second problem is The other thing that is a problem with our heart is that our heart would be very much affected by temptations and these temptations can make our heart move from one condition to another condition undergo different changes turn this way and that by tempting thoughts so it's transformed is put into different conditions because of the temptation and tempting thoughts that come uh, either through shaitan or through satanic people or even our own memories and our own you know for example uh, fantasy uh, let us have these temptations so these temptations are very destructive and indeed most of the problems I think I cannot be 100% sure but I think most of our problems start with these temptations and not necessarily with realities in many cases it is our imagination of something that makes us commit sins in many cases the things in the reality are not that attractive as I said in the previous session the worldly uh, beauty, the worldly good thing 
Uh, are normally not as, as attractive in reality as they appear to be. Sometimes mm, people imagine of a person, for example, you know, as a lover, you know, they imagine of their beloved, and sometimes, for example, you know, they think that person is perfect, that person is an angel, that person is someone that can give me, you know, really... Um, satisfaction from every aspect of my life but this is not necessarily the reality you see many of these people who fall in love after some time they regret after some time they find that no that was an ordinary person even sometimes they go to the opposite direction and they take that person to be worse than what he or she is so these extremes are not healthy some days you think that that person is the only person that can make your life you know satisfactory another day you think that this person is the only person in the world who is troubling you and the world without that person would be a good world and you know free from problems none of this is correct it's our imagination which makes us think in this way the reality is not always you know hundred or zero the reality is that every person in this world that we are in touch with has good points and bad points you don't have any person who is hundred percent good and you don't have any person who is hundred percent bad we are not dealing with masumin of course i'm talking about normal people for mu'minin alhamdulillah their positive points are much more than their negative points and for people who have no iman sometimes their negative point is much more but if you think a person is 100% good or a person is 100% bad, this is a mistake. I don't think we have any person in the world who would be 100% good apart from Maksumin and who would be 100% bad apart from Satan. There are good and bad points. A mu'min is not looking for perfection in dunya. A mu'min looks for the people whose good qualities overweigh their bad qualities, people whose um, uh, iman, whose knowledge, whose wisdom is good enough to benefit from them. But if you want to find someone perfect, it's not possible. There is hadith which says, La nas bela sadiq. Don't investigate too much about whom I should make as my friend. Because if you investigate too much, you will remain without any friend. You cannot make any friend. When you want to marry, if you investigate too much and if you have too much expectations, you will never be able to marry. I'm not saying that you should marry blindly, but I'm saying that you must not have too much expectations or to be too much examining and, you know, uh, inquisitive. So this is the thing which I think is the source of many of our problems, that by imagination and by our own you know, creative imagination, we take things to extreme. Sometimes we give it 100% credit or we give it zero credit, which is not good. So we have to be very careful about these imaginations. 
and temptations are very much caused by these imaginations, not by reality. Although reality can also have temptation, uh, but most of the time my understanding is that even it is not reality, it's just more than what is really there. So for example, if someone has lots of money, is rich, it may be tempting for another person who doesn't have money to become like that rich person. But part of its reality, always the poor person thinks of rich people much more positively than what the rich people really themselves feel. They, you know, they feel that those who are rich must be 100% happy in their life. They have no problem. Everything is sweet and beautiful for them, which is not the case. So this temptation is something that we have to be very careful. And this is one of the most important instruments of shaitan. Another thing that we have about the heart is that the heart is sometimes closed in rust and sometimes even can be sealed. Sometimes it's covered and closed in rust. Sometimes it gets so worse that it's sealed. When the heart is sealed, then the chance of changing heart is nearly zero. The chance of the, the chance of light getting into the heart is nearly zero. It's very very difficult, if at all possible, and we have to be very careful. It starts with heart first becoming harder and harder, and then finally it can become sealed. Okay, this is about the heart. Something very much related to the heart is our eyes. And our eyes are very much following what is going on in our heart. If your heart is hard, or God forbid is sealed, one of the impacts would be that you would not be able to cry. Of course, we mean crying in fear of the Lord, in fear of God, in fear of Akhirah, in fear of our sins. So, I complain about an eye which is not showing any reaction, which is indifferent to weep in fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is very difficult, very, uh, you know, severe condition that you cannot cry. Of course, many people cry for worldly reasons. For example, if they hear that they have lost, you know, their house or, you know, their, I don't know, company is bankrupt, they may be able to cry. That is not enough to be able to cry because you fear about the damage that you have caused to yourself because you have the fear of not being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have fear of, you know, day of judgment. This is good. And we find many things in our hadith about the significance of crying. Even we have in one of the beautiful du'as, 
I think it's in Dua Abu Hamza, if, if I'm not wrong. It says, "Aini bil ala nafsi." Oh Allah, please help me by crying over myself, or helping me over myself by crying. It can be interpreted two ways. So when I want to overcome my commanding soul, my nafsa ammare, one of the most important thing is to be able to cry. When you cry, then your heart becomes very clean. Your heart becomes very pure. And as some mystics have said, we have two types of water. Which This is very beautiful in uh, Farsi, because in Farsi we have Cheshm and Cheshme. Cheshme means spring and Chesh means I. Uh, in uh, Arabic, Ain can be used for both as actually, for I and for a spring. So we have water of Chesh, water of I, and we have water of spring. Water of a spring is to clean your body, your dress. And water of I is to wash your heart. If there is love for dunya, if there is love for sins, if there is burden of sins that are committed, to wash them we need to cry. The tears have such a magnificent role in cleaning the heart that nothing can replace that. So it's very important to be able to cry, especially when it leads to shedding tears. And the Quran says that sometimes people, by listening to the Quranic verses, they were able to shed tears, even if they were not Muslims in the first place. For example, in Surah Ma'idah, which is chapter 5, number 83, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to some Christians who, when they listened to the revelation, which was sent by Allah to the Prophet, Allah says, وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ When they listened to what was revealed to the Prophet, you see their eyes overflow with tears because of the truth that they have discovered oh Allah we have believed so please write us among the witnesses so this is a sign of heart being alive heart being able to understand and admit the truth that it appears in tears of the eyes and their eyes become full of tears and it overflows from their eyes and on the other hand if someone is not able to cry for good reasons then it's very difficult we have a hadith from Imam Sadr salam which says اللهم إني أعوذ بك من قلب لا يخشع وعين لا تدمع وصلاة لا تقبل O oh Allah, I seek refuge. I ask you to be my refuge, my shelter, 
for what? One is for qalbin la yakhsha, a heart which doesn't become humble, a heart which remains always arrogant. Wa'inan la tadma, an eye which does not cry. Wasalatin la tuqbal, and the prayer which is not accepted. These are the things that make us very much worried. If our prayer is not accepted, so none of our action would be accepted because as we have in Hadith, As-salatu amududdin in qubilat qubila ma sabaha wa in ruddat rudda ma sabaha. Our prayer is the pillar of our faith. If it is accepted, inshallah, other actions will be accepted. If salat is not accepted, other actions will be rejected. So we should seek refuge from uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with respect to our prayer, which is not accepted, and also the eye which is not able to cry, and the heart which never becomes soft and humble. There is another hadith which is mentioned in many places. And Abi Abdullah alayhi salam qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I am quoting from second volume of Al-Kafi. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is quoted as saying min alamat some of the signs of being uh, in a bad condition, not to be happy, not to have felicity, not to have sa'adah, is jumudul ayn. It's really a sign of being uh, misfortunate that your eyes is dry. Never tears come to your eyes. Waqaswatul qalb, your heart is hard. وَشِدَّةُ hirs فِي طَلَبِ dunya Greediness and very strong eagerness in acquiring dunya. And finally, وَالْإِسْرَارُ عَلَى الذَّنْبِ To insist on committing sins. These four are the signs of being a person who is not fortunate, who is not happy. Who has no salvation, who has no sa'ada. If you are not able to cry, this is different from many cultures. You know, in the culture of Jahiliyyah, to be in the condition of crying was taken as a very bad thing. It was a sign of weakness that a man cries. Even a man was not supposed to kiss his children. To have any emotion was bad for a man. Man must be free from emotions. A person so Prophet ﷺ kissing a child, maybe Imam Hassan or Imam Hussein, and he said with all surprise that I have never kissed my children. And the Prophet said, Man la yarham la yurham. The one who doesn't have mercy for people, doesn't show mercy to people, including children, would not be shown mercy. You have to show mercy so that you receive mercy. So, Islamically, although we should have management of our emotions, and it's a very beautiful discussion how to manage our emotions, but we should not be free from emotions. It's not that if you are a mu'min, you never cry. 
if you are a mu'min, you have no emotions. No. What is important is to see what are the sources of your emotions. What are the reasons for which you cry? In last Muharram lectures in London, uh, under the title of a Spiritual Struggle of Karbala that you can find on YouTube and other places, I have explained the significance of sadness. And I said that how sadness is a healthy a spiritual condition, provided that it is for good reasons. Just to be happy all the time or to be sad all the time is not necessarily good or bad. Why are you sad? Why are you happy? This is important. Are you sad because a person is dealt unjustly? Are you sad because you see that there are problems that has caused suffering for humanity? Are you sad because your Imam Zaman is not uh, in the state of appearance and zuhur? Are you sad because you have committed sins? Are you sad because you have wasted lots of your time and energy? Are you sad because you have wronged people? Okay, these are good types of sadness. To be sad is indeed, according to mystics, one of the signs of a man's excellence. A man who has no sadness, a man who has no pain in his heart, a man who doesn't suffer at all, is, a not, is not a perfect man. The higher you go, the more reasons for sadness you have. But at the same time, of course, you don't become a person who is frustrated, a person who never feels you know, joy and energy to work. That's also wrong. It's different from being depressed. To be sad can be very active and energetic condition. So, we need to talk a lot about management of emotions. Maybe we should have some time, you know, a series on this. But what I want to say right now is that Islamically, you can be a strong person and at the same time cry. We see that the Prophet ﷺ was crying sometimes. Even when he lost his son, he cried. You can be someone like Amirul Mu'mineen alayhi salam and cry when you are thinking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you are you know, yearning for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can cry. When you think of the tragedy of Karbala, you can cry. Imam alayhi salam cried on his way to Safain or on the way back when he reached Karbala. So, it was not a sign of weakness. It was a sign of being a human being who is full of feelings and emotions, but feelings and emotions that are not taking him away from God. Indeed, are taking him towards God because these feelings and emotions are caused by love for Allah and love for good people and love for good causes. When you feel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness, you cannot stop crying out of joy. And when you feel that you are far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of the bad things that you have done, you cannot stop crying. 
Sometimes you cry out of joy, sometimes you cry out of fear, but you need to cry. We have all the members of Ahlul Bayt reported that there were conditions in which they cried. Sometimes even other people saw them. Of course, you have to be very careful not to cry that much in public because you may be misunderstood and also because some of these things are very personal and must be remaining between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But sometimes it is seen in the public as well. Especially there are certain things for which we are advised to cry publicly. Like for example for the case of Imam Hussein alayhi salam it's important to cry in public together. I'm not saying in public that, for example, in front of you know people who don't understand. At least in our own public gatherings. As we have in we should find helpers with whom we can cry longer. And I said about the concept of mourning that mourning is to express our sadness in a public way over the loss of dear ones. So it's important to be in public. It's not enough that every moment just in his house or her house, you know, cries for Imam Hussein. We have to cry together for Imam Hussein and we have to commemorate together this tragedy. This tragedy must be kept as a social, you know, um, enterprise. So, you have to find the balance. Most of the reason for crying must be things that make you cry when you are alone in the middle of night. Or when you go for, for example, ziyara, when you are, for example, you know, alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But some of them should be cried also in public. So, if a person cannot cry, and if a person's heart is hard, if a person is very greedy in accumulating uh, worldly richness, or if a person insists on committing sins, these are the signs of being uh, wicked and being far from felicity so we have to be very careful and then uh, I want to mention another hadith about why sometimes you know we cannot cry which is very related to the discussion we have had so far this hadith is narrated from the Prophet Muhammad in which he is quoted as saying, One reason, which is actually the main reason for not being able to cry. I'm saying not, this is not the only reason. Because sometimes people cannot cry. Uh, it can have some other reasons. You shouldn't always blame yourself when you cannot cry. Because, for example, the people who are very young, uh, you know, teenagers, maybe for them, it's still too early to be able to cry over, for example, feelings of loneliness and being far from God or, for example, about sins. But gradually, inshallah, that will come. Or sometimes maybe a person is somehow psychologically preoccupied with something and has problems in a life, so cannot cry over these things. He cries over other things. I want, don't want to say that every person who doesn't have the ability to cry is necessarily a bad person. No, there can be different reasons. But this is really to make us worried and you have to investigate why you cannot cry. In many cases, the reason for not being able to cry 
is qaswatul qalb in this hadith the prophet says jumudul ain min qaswatil qalb the dryness of the eye is because of the hardness of the heart and then wa qaswatul qalb min kasratil dhunub why heart becomes hard the hadith says it's because plenty of sins have been committed when a sin is committed then another sin is committed sins after sins it makes our heart very hard why we commit many sins because of having dreams and wishes and desires which are not realistic which cannot be you know fulfilled and this type of dreams and desires are because of excessive love for dunya and this type of love for dunya this excessive love for dunya is the root and foundation of all the problems all the mistakes so after this careful analysis, we realize that dunya is reason for not being able to cry. Because dunya causes tulul amal, tulul amal causes kasratul dhunub, kasratul dhunub causes qaswatul qalb, and qaswatul qalb causes jumudul ayn. So excessive love for dunya makes you unrealistic, you have desires which can never be fulfilled, and to reach those desires you commit sins, because you cannot satisfy them in a right way and by committing sins your heart becomes affected and becomes hard then you will not be able to cry so if we want to get rid of that we have to change our heart's condition instead of making our heart a lover of dunya make a lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and beauties of faith and iman and then stopping desires which are not good and stopping committing sins and doing tawbah and then inshallah little by little your heart becomes free and liberated and then you would see that the tears would come to your eyes so i stop by saying one more uh, sentence which is related about eyes and then we leave the rest for another session وَعَيْنًا عَنِ الْبُكَاءِ مِنْ خَوْفِكَ جَامِدَةِ وَإِلَى مَا يَسُرُّهَا أَوْ تَسُرُّهَا طَامِحَةِ I complain about the eye which eagerly seeking that which gladdens it. Instead of looking for something which is useful, this eye just looks for something that makes it satisfied or gratified or glad. You know, we should not be only after something that gives us a transient and temporary pleasure. Sometimes by looking at the mahram, by watching certain movies, your eyes may have some satisfaction. But this is not the good reason for deciding what to see, what to watch, what how to spend our time. We have to find out what is really useful for our heart. And then our eye must be at the service of our heart. Not that our eyes see something and then makes our heart busy with that. This is a problem. Okay, we stop here and inshallah we can have some questions. And we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us able to cry over our problems, inshallah. 
Question 1. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam rahmatullah. You discussed the issue of a hard heart and temptation of shaitan. But how come in the dua there isn't any solution to this problem? Uh, yeah, there, there is solution about this problem. And indeed, the very first solution is to diagnose the problem. And in dua, we have been able to diagnose. And second, to find out the source for that. In dua, we have the source. So what is the germ that causes this? And as I explained, by reflection, we realize that the cause for this illness is love for dunya, is not to have control over our emotions, not to be able to manage our emotions. And also, what we need to know is that in one, for example, uh, short dua, you cannot answer all the questions and you cannot explain everything. This is why we should have uh, familiarity with the whole rich culture of dua that we have. When we put all these duas together, then we have a comprehensive picture. Some of the things are, for example, to be learned from this dua, some from Munajat, for example, uh, of Amirul Mu'minin, some from dua Abu Hamza, dua Iftata. And when you have the whole you know, set of these duas in mind, you will find how much they have uh, cross-referencing, how much they support each other, they interpret each other, and how much we can learn if we are really familiar with these du'as. Question 2. Can you please suggest how one can improve its salah? Often we rush through it and how we can consistently have good quality prayer. Yes, this is a very important question, especially because we said salat is a kind of a standard by which our other actions will be weighed and measured. One of the best things to improve our Salah is to read more about the significance of Salah. And we had uh, about two years ago a series in London, and you may be able to find it on the internet, about secrets of prayer and fasting. And we mentioned some of the things about the significance of prayer and significance of some of the parts and conditions of prayer like wuzu and place and so on and so forth. So by reading and listening to such things, inshallah, we can have better understanding of the significance of salah. What I can say very briefly is that our salah is not an exception. If throughout the day we try to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then our salah would be a salat in which we can remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a better way. So salat is always better than the average of our condition during the day. But if throughout the day I am forgetful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then all of a sudden in salah I want to go to the peak, it's not possible. So your salat affects your day and your day affects your salat. The more we remember Allah during the day, the more we remember Him in salat, and then the more we remember in salat, then the more we would be able to remember Him in the rest of the day and the next days to come. So we have to try to remember Allah as much as possible during the day. We have to avoid committing sins definitely during the day. And 
before also saying our salat it's very important to get ready for that not just by making wuzu or finding a place also we have to uh, mentally and psychologically get ready for salat you know when for example i am busy with my meetings and discussions and you know work and then quickly i want to shift to salat it's not possible it's very important to have few minutes of silence before we start our salat for example imagine if salat starts at 12 o'clock so it's good if five minutes ten minutes before that we make our wuzu and sit on our prayer mat and for a few minutes we don't think about any worldly thing about our work about our family about nothing we just relax we just think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we do some zikr so that our mind becomes free from any uh, you know preoccupation anything that um, any memories that make it busy and when you feel that you are relaxed and your you know mind is not busy then you start your salat and after salat also don't quickly run away you know and go for work or for lunch whatever sit few minutes do some taqibat these are some etiquettes for salat salat is such an important thing that few minutes before that and few minutes after that we should be in a special condition this is a kind of hospitality for salat salat is a very important guest that comes to us and you have to be waiting for your salat to welcome your salat and you have to do well you know farewell for your salat a kind of todi for your salat escorting your salat not that you come with the salat you know like you have a guest comes at 12 o'clock you also arrive at 12 o'clock it's not good you have to be in your house before your guest comes and you have to escort your guest not that when the time it finishes you say goodbye to your guests and you go earlier this is not good so this preparation is very important reflection on the things that you say during salat is very important the place in which we say our prayer is very important there must be no distraction but something that i very much want to focus today is that preparation which i said we need to have a few minutes before starting salat May Allah inshallah enable all of us to witness and experience the sweetness of Salat, something that the Prophet said that I am with respect to Salat like a hungry person and a thirsty person. But the difference is that the one who is hungry after he eats, his hunger is over. The one who is thirsty after he drinks, his thirst is over. But I will never become full with respect to Salat. My thirst for Salat, my hunger for Salat never is finished what is the best method to prevent from the temptation imaginations how can we stop this once and for all very good question the best thing is not to think about them when they come to your mind maybe you cannot stop them coming but just ignore them even you don't need to oppose them or fight them because when you fight them you have to still think about them just ignore them and when you give them attention they will die and gradually they will stop coming this is the only solution which is the best solution and 
is prescribed by great ulama. Question four. I found best practice to have concentration is to stay in wudu as much as possible and prepare before salat time. Pray the nafla prayers that you will have better concentration and you will always wait for prayer time. Yes, excellent. Very beautiful points to be in the state of wudu all the time, which we said, you know, is something that keeps your whole day in the state of remembrance. And then before your salat, you do some preparation. Nawafil are very important. You know, we have a hadith that Imam Zainul Abidin said, only that part of Salat would be accepted in which you have presence of heart. Then a person said, so we are destroyed, halakna, because we don't have presence of heart. Then Imam said, if you do your nawafil, that can compensate for that part of Salat in which you have no presence of heart. Uh, uh, okay, next week, uh, inshallah, I will be in Toronto. Uh, next Tuesday and I hope that inshallah we would not be able we would not be in need of canceling our session hopefully inshallah we will uh, be able to have the session if there is any problem we will let you know but uh, so far I hope that inshallah we will have our session as regular and please pray for all the mu'mineen those who are alive those who have passed away and the more you pray for mu'mineen and mu'minat, the more you will get yourself. And inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive all our sins and mistakes in this blessed month of Rajab. And inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prepares us to be his guest in the holy months of Ramadan. Thank you very much for your attention. May Allah be with you. May Allah support you and your family. Wa da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alameen.